we approach God's word, and as we do so, may we pray that God might open our hearts and minds with a prayer for illumination. Lord our God, you are the light of the world and the light of our lives, and we pray that you would shine your light upon us and within us and upon your word so that in entering your word and hearing your word, we might understand what you are saying that we might hear the riches and the grace and the truth that you have for us. So come, Lord Jesus, for we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The scripture is Matthew. 11, 28 through 12, 14. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, suppose one of you has only one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored, as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Rest, truly something perhaps we each wrestle with. 
I know I do. Last week, uh, on Friday, I typically take Sabbath day on Friday, and on that day, I said, okay, I'm sitting in this house, and I'm not leaving, and I'm not doing anything. And it, it kind of worked, uh, <laughs> for the most part. But it was challenging, and I felt like stepping into that Sunday and preaching, I was refreshed in some really wonderful ways. And I learned a lot about Sabbath from just sitting and being on that one Friday. I did a good job, if, if uh, that can be said. I'm just kind of making a hyperbolic point right now. But come to this week, and my Friday was frantic, and it was filled with a lot of things. And I didn't experience that same rest. And so all I have to say, it's challenging to keep a weekly rhythm and even thought pattern and intentional patterns of, of rest and stillness. It's hard to commit to, but rest is something for which we are created. Now, we're created for so many things. We're created to connect and have a relationship with God. We're created to enjoy life. We're created to, for relationships with others. We're created to work. But we're also created to rest. And when we don't experience that, when it runs our week, when we cannot see or know ourselves apart from our work, when we rest just so we can work more, then I believe we're not fully ourselves. We're not fully human as God designed. And therefore, we can't flourish as Perhaps you're created to. And so rest, this important principle for our life, this important part and aspect of teaching from Scripture, is something that Pastor Stacy and I wanted to dive into because I'm not good at it. We struggle with it. And it's something that we can perhaps learn together. And it's not as if in three weeks of sermons we can figure it out and become really great. We don't have that expectation. But maybe we can sit and reflect for a while, and maybe these reflections can provide other questions and curiosities, wonderings and learnings that lead us back to being more human, back to patterns of our life that are helpful and healthy, and lead us to flourish. So, what I wanted to do today is kind of reflect on, on three things. Ask some questions about Sabbath and wonder about it. Then kind of look at what Sabbath is in the New Testament. And then finish up with some kind of applications, so to speak, or some tangible things to think about with Sabbath. But the overall thing that I want us to see is that when we learn about Sabbath in the story of Scripture, we learn about mercy. A mercy that makes a difference in how we connect with God, how we care for ourselves, and how we relate to other people. So this mercy that we learn about has an impact for all of our relationships. So, 
First, questions about Sabbath. And I'm sitting here wondering whether or not you keep any Sabbath, whether you take any day off, and what that day off looks like for you. Do you have specific activities that you like to do on a day off? Or do you rest and remain still? Do you see other people, or do you like to be alone? Is it your time to invest in hobbies and activities? Or is this such a foreign concept because seven days a week you don't rest? What impact does that have upon you? Other questions that I think about are related to the church. Because Christians began celebrating a day of, of Sabbath on, on Sunday as a way of connecting to Jesus' resurrection and new life. And so they began their first day of the week by celebrating that day. And that became a cultural rhythm that we perhaps experienced for many years where shops and places were closed on Sundays and you went to church and came home and didn't do much but eat food that was prepared the day earlier. But things have changed, right? And we might make so many meanings of that, but I don't want to get into that right now. Things have changed to where we come to church and it's a holiday, but maybe others work on Sunday. For instance, last week after the Sunday service, uh, myself and Amy went to uh, a place downtown Albany, and we got some lunch. And we were dressed up in our church clothes, and the waitress says, my goodness, don't you look dapper. <laughs> and we said, well, thank you. Well, actually, Amy said that in that voice, you know, high-pitched and everything. Um, said, thank you. And she said, we just came from church. And the waitress says, ah, oh, I wish that I could go to church. I wish I could be there on a Sunday morning because I've tried to go on Saturday nights, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. And that struck me for a lot of different reasons. Made me wonder about the sacredness of Sunday and how we keep it sacred. But it also made me think about how people do work and they still are Christian. How do they figure out a Sabbath day? More than that, we live in a culture now where it's common to work on Sunday, specifically for working class people. And what kind of concerns should that raise for us as the church who are supposed to care for all of God's people, specifically poor, the powerless, those who don't have much? All these questions kind of swirl about for me, and maybe they do for you. And I think it's good to think about these and intentionally talk about them as a community together at different times. But I raise them in hope that, that these passages of scripture that we'll go through provide some word of direction or grace or reflection for you. First, I want to ground us in the Sabbath in Scripture. And last week, we started to do that when we reflected in the Old Testament, right? 
in the Old Testament, we heard a couple passages, and eventually got to the point of reflecting on the Jewish tradition's practice of keeping Sabbath, which happens um, one day a week where when three stars can be counted in the sky, they light two candles. Remember this? One candle is written for the command in Exodus where God says, you shall be my people and you shall remember a Sabbath day. Remember that I created you and this world and rested, and therefore on the seventh day you are to rest. Exodus. Another candle is lit for for a part of Deuteronomy, in which God says, Remember a Sabbath day and keep it holy, because you once were slaves in Egypt to Pharaoh, but I brought you out and rescued you and freed you. So Sabbath is commanded because we are created in God's image and are to rest. And we are saved and freed by God. And we reflect on how we are created in God's image. And we are invited to be freed from endless production. We reflected on how we are freed by God in Christ. And we should practice freedom from consuming. The Sabbath is a practice that has continued to be practiced throughout many centuries, and it is a practice that Jesus took up in his own life. Jesus actually went in the Gospel of Luke. Um, it's one of the first things he actually does in his, in his ministry. And so he, he, he's baptized, he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's He's got a spirit on, and so he comes into the wilderness, walks through it 40 days, comes out, and the first thing he does is go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day because it was his custom. So Jesus kept the custom and the rhythms of the Sabbath. And it says this, when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. strikes me as interesting that the very first message he uttered in his public ministry on the Sabbath day was about mercy, about lifting up those who were cast down, about giving a hand to those who couldn't help them, uh, themselves up, about announcing God's favor to all people, the low and the high, the poor and the rich alike. And it gives, <coughs> I think, a vision for what his whole ministry was like, but also it kind of gives some context for what healings happened on Sabbath days as well. So, just earlier, Susan read for us a passage about what Jesus had done a couple Sabbath days later, right? (coughs) And 
it's a story about Jesus on the Sabbath day, but it starts a little bit earlier than that. And it starts with this, this sentence that says, come to me, all you that are weary. This is Jesus talking. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reason why Jesus, um, why this is perhaps in here before a section about Sabbath is because there was many conversations at that time about Sabbath observance. Jesus kept the Sabbath as did many other Jews, all other Jews, but there were differences and disagreements. And so the Pharisees, a group that heard about in this passage, was a group that believed that they needed to strictly adhere to all the customs and all the laws and even kind of invented this other index of laws for people to follow on those days. But it was heavy and weighty. Their purpose was so that they could follow the law because God said, if you follow the law, you will be in my favor and my people always. So there was a reason. But Jesus is seeing how this is difficult and hard for these people. And so he's, he's explaining a new teaching that invites them to experience deep rest for their souls. And so, after that statement, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's a story about Jesus on the Sabbath as he's going through the grain fields. And as he's going, he and his disciples are eating as they are hungry. And the Pharisees, who apparently have nothing better to do on that day, <laughs> are walking next to him, kind of like a, a little little sibling over the shoulder of the older sibling that's just waiting to tell the parents what this older sibling is doing. I did it, so, uh, you know, I know what it's like to be a Pharisee, apparently. Um, <laughs> Pastor Garrett, the Pharisee. Um, so, the Pharisees are right there, and the Pharisees are like, oh, Jesus, we see that you're breaking the custom of the, uh, the Sabbath, huh? And Jesus goes, oh, smarty pants. And these Pharisees are like the Bible geeks of that day. So, so what happens is, is Jesus says, oh, well, have you not read? Which is kind of like, you guys haven't read your Bibles, have you? He really digs it in there. And tells them a story about King David and how David went into the holy place and ate bread that the Israelites weren't supposed to eat, only the priests could. And then he said this line. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. After snubbing them and saying, you haven't really read their Bib your Bibles, he speaks to them about how they missed the point. And how God doesn't want their rituals and their actions so much as God wants their hearts and their openness to trust God and their desire to be like God in how they not only experience but share mercy in the world. And the example of this translates into the next section where everybody, that whole crew, goes to the synagogue. And at the synagogue, there is this man whose hand is withered. And it's been withered for a long time. And the Pharisees say, well, is it lawful to do good on the, on the Sabbath? And Jesus puts it to him and says, look, 
if you had a lamb that fell into a pit, you would wish to rescue it even if it was a Sabbath day. And Jesus moves towards this man and heals him and has mercy on him. And in a moment, this man springs up and is healthy and full and rich in life. And it's a wonderful, beautiful story that can say so much to us about Sabbath. It's interesting that the healing stories of Sabbath that Jesus does, the people who are healed do not ask for healing. And faith is often not a part of the story, but rather it's always God's movement toward the people to heal and restore and provide life. And I think and I believe that Sabbath rest is like that for us. That when we rest and we're still and we cease, even if it feels like we need to produce, God is moving toward us. And God's movement toward us in our rest can be more healing and life-giving and restorative than we could ever hope or imagine. Christ is Lord of the Sabbath, distributing mercy to us in all of our days, both in our work and in our rest. What I wanted to do is just take a few minutes to just kind of go through through implications of thinking about what Sabbath looks like. And, and I think when we pay attention to Sabbath, there's three things. We have this deepening relationship with God, we have care for ourselves, and we also think about others. So, the first point, Sabbath day, how is it connected, how is it ceasing, how is it directed toward God? Like the Pharisees, we can miss the mark, we can get off track, but how is, how are we connecting with God? We come here to worship, we come to connect with God and experience the merciful heart of God in worship, but are there other ways in which you are nourished spiritually that feed you? Maybe a walk in creation to wonder about God's grace or studying scripture or prayer. What is the specific way that you connect with God? I think that's an intentional question to ask for Sabbath rest. Secondly, how are you merciful for yourself and with yourself? Sabbath, yes, in scripture, the vision is a 24-hour period of rest. But I also think it can mean a couple things. One, obviously inactivity and just being still. But secondly, perhaps Sabbath is a time to explore a life-giving hobby, something that brings you joy, something you don't do in your work that is completely different and distinct and nourishes you. Next, consider on Sabbath, are you, on your day of rest, are you introverted or extroverted? Do you draw energy for peop from people or from being alone? Next, consider the community that you're a part of, like this community, and the ways that it might nourish your soul, or your family, or 
friends who are your chosen family? What are the communities that ground you and feed your soul and give you life? And also note to the parents, do an inventory about how family time affects you as well. And try to find ways that you might be able to get Sabbath time, even if you have family and you are committed to so many responsibilities. Lastly, um, take note of Sabbath seasons, of weeks or months or years when you're overstretched. And maybe perhaps after a tough week of work, oh, another week of rest and self-care is important for you to get back on track. And lastly, to, to persons who are retired, it is a beautiful joy to experience that freedom from work and that vocation. And yet, a lot of people I talk to say that it, you are busier now in retirement than you were in work. And maybe it's because there's unlimited freedom of what you could do. But I encourage you to think how a rhythm of rest and can deeply impact your rest in retirement and be directive for you. In all, be merciful to yourself. And lastly, be merciful to others. Because I'm mindful of that waitress that was at the, at the, the, the restaurant. And I think we as Christians need to think about how our actions impact others in the world. That's just a general principle. But when we rest and we're called to inactivity, we not only think about how this is caring for us, but also caring for others. And it directs not only the, the rhythms of rest for us in our one day, but also the rhythms of rest and care for others. Let's pray. God, may you direct us each day with our work and with our rest, with all that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song response.